Coming up on your transformation station. A mentor, shouldn't the individual who is seeking out have the idea that the person they're talking to is almost a spinning image of them as their future self that they're desiring to be? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they aspire. That, that's a great point when looking for a mentor. Welcome your transformation station is your transformation station we're tapping in to surpassing expectations from the most successful people in the modern day and honing in on new foresight methodologies and clairvoyance you never knew this is your transformation station with your host greg favaza of success if i could go back there's there's not many things that i would go back for but what do you do when you lose your purpose it's okay to struggle it's okay that you're not okay i am your host greg favaza together we will go on a journey this show is all about surpassing our internal dialogue rediscovering your true identity Owning new foresight. We have a chance to make the world a better place for our children. Start living in the example today and become your future self tomorrow. If you can leave our viewers with some good advice to follow, what would you let them know? These things that you're afraid to do. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to your transformation station with your one and only, of course, Greg Favaza. Suppose you're someone aspiring to learn how to connect to the world. How can you create a transformation in others if there's no transformation in yourself? This question is often what I think about. Your transformation station focuses on 30-day challenges, three-hour refinement, connecting clarity, the idyllic life, interviews, investing your time, This is your transformation on how to decode ourselves through the realization of others, a transformative experience, and establish our own transformation. Now, let's get into this. Mentor, shouldn't the individual who is seeking that have the idea from the most that the person they're talking to the is almost honing in a spinning image of them and clairvoyance as never their knew. future self that they're designed to be? This is your transformation station with your host, yeah, Greg exactly. Favaza. Yeah, they aspire. That, that's a, a great information point when looking for a mentor. character and the truth and the place it all lies within us. I had to come to a definition of character Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to go to a dictionary and just put in character and pull that out. So it was something I actually sat on and tried to come up with on my own. And what I came up with is character is a relationship between being and an individual's reflection over his or her assumed self. I like it. And I bet that's real similar to what Daniel said in different words who the fuck's daniel daniel webster <laughs> the dictionary the fucking dictionary no, or, <laughs> so many people use you know who, who knows but that's that's in that's really hitting it 
the message is there. So let's uh, plug in character just for fun. One thing that I hate about the dictionaries is you have to spell it right. <laughs> you know, and if you don't know how to spell it, how can you look it up? Exactly. It's not like Google or it'll automatically self-correct itself for you. Yeah. yeah generally, when you don't want it to, it'll self-correct. Okay. So um, look at this. It's the aggregate of features and traits that form the individual nature of some person or thing. I mean, but you said it way more way more correctly one such feature or trait moral or ethical quality a man of fine honorable character is not donald trump it might not have said all of that (laughs) i don't know of course yeah um so no that was that was beautiful and that's what character is all about and that's what the world has lacked so much of these last four years at the highest levels of world leadership not pointing the finger at anybody except Donald Trump. Um, so if we were to compare and contrast character and truth, we really, I mean, we can do that, but it kind of goes hand in hand on a very deep level. As far as what I can come to my understanding is how we act under pressure and how we act in a societal basis is completely different. Meaning the way I want to be portrayed towards somebody, I would act this way, nice, calm, and relaxed. But if I'm facing an altercation or a situation, I tend to fall back on my emotions that are affected. Usually I'll project or I won't do as I say I would say. Does that make any sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah. And, and, what I believe is that that's not part of your character. I mean, that's, that's your behavior based on what's happening to you right now and, and your response to that. Your character remains unchanged. Uh, I mean, your character, I believe, this is just what Larry believes. I believe your character is built in and it's the foundation for everything you do say, think, or feel. So when you're right now, you know, we're talking, there, there's nothing threatening going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you've got this calm demeanor. However, if you step outside and, you know, you see two people coming aggressively towards you and they both have weapons in their hand of one sort or the other, your character doesn't change. Greg is still the same guy inside your thoughts, your ethics, your moral uh, stance remains the same. But now you've got this pressure, external pressure in this example, and you're acutely aware of what's going on and that you're going to have to fucking defend yourself. You don't even know who these people are, why they're coming at you, but you have to defend yourself. Now, some of your behavior that you're going to exhibit at that moment is is character based. I know it's not right for me to kill somebody unless I'm defending myself. That makes sense. And those are nano split seconds. I mean, you don't have to sit and contemplate your characters built in all, you know, your adrenal glands are kind of hardwired. And you're going to make these decisions. What should I do? 
do I turn around and run? No, I got to save these people from the neighborhood because God knows if I run and let them loose. So I'm going to have to figure out how to deal with these guys. So when I'm referring to would probably take the stance of self-assertion. If I were to say symbolic interaction with understanding I and the me, I, I believe that's, uh, the hell is that dude's name with psychology? Meads understanding. The, you're like alter ego? Yes. So, I mean, is that the me you're talking about? That's correct. And the me represents what society would see me as. And then the I would be the things I would do alone. And where I'm looking at the truth in the character, I'm looking at how we act underneath pressure. The pre- I agree with you that, that we behave differently when we're under pressure. Mm-hmm. I'm just not so much, uh, I guess that's part of, of character, but part of character, I believe, is integrity. Yes. Okay. So w- when you're under pressure, um, you, you're still going to maintain your integrity. You, you may demonstrate integrity differently based on external and internal pressures, but, you know, you're still going to be, you're still going to have integrity. You're still going to have character intact. You are still going to be truthful. Um, you might exhibit marketing puffery. You know, there, there could be hyperbole, but it's still going to be fact, truth, character, integrity-based stuff you do and say, regardless of what's going on outside, outside of you and around you. If you're, if you've got character, that's what makes you behave the way you do based off our principles on what we find as our, as what we say goes or doesn't goes and what we will do. But what I find hard to understand is it's affected by the situation because I, I don't steal. However, if I'm starving, my family's starving and I don't have any money, I'm, I'm probably going to go try to steal something to get them fed. You, you are. And, and again, there you see your character comes into play. Your character comes into play. Well, I don't have to steal anything today. I've got food. I got my shelter. You know, should I steal Larry's red Porsche for his birthday? <laughs> I can afford it. I'll buy it. No, but, but okay. Then all of a sudden pressures change. You have no money. You have no food in the cupboard, if you will. Your family's hungry. You're hungry. You got to go provide for yourself. And in doing so, you're going to run into the store and grab a banana and a loaf of bread and run out. You're not going to go in with a AK-47 and spray bullets all over and take whatever you can't. No, but that's the difference in character. Because your character says, in fact, I know it's really not right to steal, but my family's got to eat. I'm not going to let them suffer. I mean, that's all part of character, taking care of your family and, and not hurting anybody else in, in doing so. Yeah. If you stole, did you hurt the store owner? Maybe 
you know, if you went to the store owner, if we didn't have pride, which is part of our character, you know, which is, I guess, a sin, according to some people. Um, but if we didn't have pride, if we didn't have an ego, maybe we'd go to the store owner, the proprietor and say, dude, you know, I lost my job four months ago. I'm out of money. My babies are hungry. You know, can you help me out? And he's, he's most people, their character is based on kindness and empathy. Um, you just don't go to the white house and expect any, but most people, you know, they have that. Yeah, dude, you know, take some bread and take a chicken. You know, I mean, but I, what you're saying, I feel like is now we've went even deeper past character and we are looking at ethics or morals. Well, yeah, but I, I think, and I feel that ethics and morals are part of what builds your character. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, people, here's what I believe people without ethics and morals have no character. Now you can have ethics that say, go out and screw everybody today, you know, out of $5, like the robo dialer people, um, yeah. they have character. It's bad. You know, it's, it's, it's negative character, you know, mm-hmm. um, they, they, some might say their morals are low or they have no morals because, you know, they're okay with screwing people out of $5. Um, and, and I just think all of those things we're talking about, ethics, morals, truth, um, this is what builds one's character. These are the things that generally by the time people are, there's big debates, but five or seven years old, mm-hmm. 10 years old at the oldest, some people say it happens as early as five years old. Your your parents, whoever's bringing you up, has instilled you with all of your values. You, you're, and those aren't going to change unless there's some traumatic event that happens to you in life. Yes. Those values that were established when you were a child, a young child, three, four, five, six, seven, mm-hmm. they won't go anywhere. Unless there's a traumatic event that and I see what you're touching on as far as our social upbringing and how we were raised by our parents passing down their own beliefs, their own understanding. And then we kind of are stuck in our ways until we reach a certain point in time where either we develop and meet self-actualization or beforehand we experience an event that causes us to dissociate and see an outside perspective and allow transparency to come in. The transparency that comes in, are you, are you suggesting that comes from, external things or our view of what's happening outside of us. Thank you. Whether it's intrinsically or extrinsically. Intrinsically, I believe it's all based off our motivation and what's been instilled. What is the driving factor in us that really resonates? But extrinsically, it can be from an outside stimulus, some sort of reinforcement the, the reinforcement, though, 
is that coming because of what's happening at that moment outside of you? Or is that stuff that's going on inside of you that's causing this change in behavior? I don't think the character changes. I think one's behavior and or response to what's going on will change, but it's still character based. If you, whatever your character, whatever those values, ethics, morals are inside of you, at the heart of you, every decision you make, every response you have are tied to that set of your character, your set of morals and ethics and what's truth and what's good, what's bad. Uh, All that shit that was instilled in you as a child stays there. And like I said, unless and until you have some crazy traumatic event, good, bad, or indifferent kind of event, Mm -hmm. good events can, can change values and character. Bad events naturally can, but traumatic either way, you know, that just my thought. I can see that when we infer meaning based off the inner conversation that we have in ourselves that we constructed, but what makes it difficult to see for me is deciphering the reaction versus proactive engagement. I mean, I get our past is our past. It's already completed and conditions of our past can be deemed relevant. But in the case of organic behavior, it's a matter of selection between choosing various alternatives in that moment of being. Just getting one of the robocalls we were talking about. (laughs) And usually I try to answer this guy. Hello? this you want to mess with them sure we can do that oh i i I need my phone hang on i can't press one on this (laughs) i have my phone outside here let's see if we she might have already hung up um we were going to have some fun and get that person on the line because that's not amazon we know that because sorry about that since that's being brought up with ai I understand why the the telemarketers or Google bots or whatever we want to say that's on the other line is calling. Is it because it's they're on a it's a recorded line, so they're trying to get you to acknowledge who you are and whatever certain key things that you say, they will pull that recorded information and almost articulate a sentence to access that very account by you acknowledging what they say, they can play it back to the actual Amazon and get into your, your shit pretty much. We are, this is what I believe this is a pure scam. It has nothing to do with Amazon at all. There are people that are fishing. And so when you push one or whatever, they told me to push to talk to somebody and get that taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's going to be a guy that or a gal that is not from this country that we talk to. Mm-hmm. And I say that because they have a very heavy accent 
or they just hire a bunch of actors that sound like people with this accent, which I doubt that's the case. Their mm-hmm. job is to get you to disclose your username and password so they can hack into your fucking computer. And they're either going to take money out of your bank account or use your credit cards, whatever they do with once they have your, your that's a phishing call is what that is. And they just send it out to everybody because, I mean, you may know two people in the whole world that have never ordered from Amazon. Mm-hmm. And that would be unlikely, but there's probably people that don't have telephones, which will never get called because they don't, if they got called, they wouldn't know it because they don't have a cell phone. But anybody that has a cell phone probably has done something with Amazon unless they live in a cave. And it's just like a lot of the email scams that come out. They just say, dear Bank of America customer. Well, I don't bank with Bank of America, but Bank of America has millions of customers. So they're going to hit some people that are with Bank America. They're also going to hit old people like me that don't have a brain. That's what I was going to. They're going to call. I don't have a Bank America uh, bank account. Why are you calling me? And they go, oh, where's your bank? U.S. Bank. I I bank at U.S. Oh, my God. We had the same problem with U.S. Bank. Let me just get some information. We'll take care of it for you. This (laughs) is what these scheme. I mean, and it sounds pretty natural. Yes. You know, we have your nephew here in the in the, the city jail. He's been involved in a hit and run accident, and he's either going to stay here for 30 days till we can get him in front of the magistrate unless you can wire. You need to wire $500 cash here right now, and here's how you do it. Oh, my God. Billy? No, not Billy. It's your other nephew. Oh, John. I John is always getting in trouble. Yes, let me get that money for you. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, this is what happens. Because it's public information, and what – you just said is perfect. And I wanted to ask you if you compared yourself with somebody my age, as far as do you get more of these calls because the fact that they look at you at a higher age bracket and they're making the assumption that you don't know any better because I mean, yeah, I get certainly, you you know, like the, the, the plethora of burial expense plans and Medicare advantage and Medicare supplement plans and life insurance plans and, you know, you know, adult diapers and, you know, all of the shit that goes with getting old. Mm -hmm. They know that because it's pretty easy to access people's age from public records. I mean, you can go to every state and get everybody's birth date. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and, And you can put together data basis based on age. So yeah, some of that's age related. The fish stuff, the way most of the, the people that with robo dialers do it, they don't really care what age. I mean, unless they're specific Medicare scams uh, or, you know, sales to take place. But otherwise, I mean, these fishing expeditions and just outright, yeah, I great. I just need your credit card number just to verify your Amazon account. Oh, okay. It's this. Is that the visa or is the MasterCard? Oh, it's the visa. Okay. Yeah. So let me give that to you. You know, um, it's just like I get this one hacker. It looks like it's AT&T calling me and my wireless service is with AT&T. So I used to always answer the call, you know, and then I'd be talking to him and just something didn't sound right. And 
you know, I would hang, hang up uh, or here, what I learned to do is, okay, cool. Let me have your name and your extension number. I'll call you right back. Mm-hmm. And then I'll call AT&T's number and, you know, they don't give me their extension number. They generally hang up when I ask them to d- provide that information because they know they're not with AT&T. Mm-hmm. But when, so, because anybody can, it's illegal, but put on caller ID, whatever they want. I mean, you could put the White House. Yes. Is your caller ID and say, this is Donald Trump calling from the White House. <laughs> oh, Donald, really? Did you vote for me? Yeah, of course. Didn't everybody? You won the election, it said. Uh, but but I'm just saying, so old people are really vulnerable. And, and again, a well-executed scam that's going on today, whatever it may be, it, if these people would just use their creativity for, you know, legal activities and, and for the good of people, instead of to steal and screw people out of stuff, they probably could be very good business people just doing it honestly and legitimately, you know. I didn't mean to go way off there, but no, 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 right there. What you just said, what if that is their definition of their truth to their character? Well, it's those there. I think then the definition of those people would be a sociopath, you know, mm. I'm just glad you didn't say narcissist. I feel like that yeah. thrown around way too goddamn much. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And, and again, I think a sociopath is way beyond narcissistic. Um, I mean, I, I spent uh, several years of my life being a narcissist, but um, love for you to go into that and tell me. What yeah, was that for you, I was just a bad. I, I was um, very unfaithful in in my marriages, a couple of them. Um, you know, because I was narcissistic and immature and selfish and a number of other things. But I, I, I've never been, even during that period of my life, was I a sociopath. I knew right from wrong. I knew how terrible of a person I was. I knew how much I was hurting people, including myself. Um, but, uh, you, you know, as a narcissist, it just doesn't matter. I mean, you know, you're out, you know. You're able to switch off the understanding for right and wrong. It's almost like a duality. Yeah, or it's, it's like, you know, while you're doing whatever you know you shouldn't be doing, you, you you say to yourself for a moment, I know this is not what I should be doing, but, you know, it feels good. Uh, so you do it. Uh, and then you, you pay the price later for, from super guilt and from seeing the harm you're doing, uh, you know, to, to everybody you touch with whatever it is. I mean, narcissism is one example. I mean, addiction uh, is an addiction is a little bit different because it's an illness. Um, I mean, I really believe it is an illness. So like any illness, nobody chooses to get it. Um, you know, you're not good or bad because you have it. it. It's like any disease. Disease has no respect of anything. Illness has no respect of anything. I'm curious is the fact that we do live in this society now where uh, people are claiming, what is it? Polythamous, poly, Pollyanna. Pollyanna, where you, it's okay to have oh. new lovers. Oh, no, I know. Po- polygamous. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it's looking like just how 
the online dating is kind of impacting that to give us that gratification of, Ooh, there's something more out there. Yeah. Um, it can add to it. I mean, I will tell you growing up in the era that I did the, the seventies, the mid to late seventies and up through the mid, maybe late eighties, uh, it was when the actual sexual revolution happened. You know, if you look up sexual revolution on Google, I mean, it's going to give you some date ranges they're going to fall in there where it was rock and roll free sex everybody had sex with everybody Mm -hmm. there wasn't yet uh hiv there weren't herpes the worst sorry yeah that's old age being 93 ladies and gentlemen here larry will be 93 february 12th and 2021 And it could also be because, you know, I've been recording for about four hours straight this morning already. So, you know, I've already done about 20, 25,000 words. uh, And, you know, still have three more hours to go of recording, but, um, and not being hydrated properly. Mm. So, uh, because none of us are, uh, none of us drink enough water. This is very true. Um, for people that are looking for a mentor or trying to establish a relationship with one, what general guidelines could you give for somebody to start that process? In wow. That I think a lot, uh, a lot depends on what type of mentor a person's looking for. Is it a personal, like a life mentor? Um, is it a, you know, somewhere in the business realm or, you know, if you are in the real estate business, do you need a, a real estate mentor that can help you excel in that business or whatever business you're in? Is it a personal mentor or a business kind of mentor you're looking for? Because I think you look for different qualities and how you find a, a reliable mentor other than word of mouth references, um, you know, you might look for different qualities in ways to determine if this is the kind of mentor I want. I want, let me give you a a practical example. So I have a, a coach, a voiceover coach. That's also my mentor, uh, voiceover mentor. So when I need advice and I have an issue relative to voiceover. I'll communicate with that mentor. Um, and, and he, he's, he's been around for 30, 40 years. He's in the industry. He's well regarded by everybody in the industry. He's won all kinds of Emmys and globes and, and very specific voiceover awards. In addition to those that uh, Grammys, not Emmys, um, you know, that, that you would want somebody that's going to mentor you in, in the voiceover industry to have all of those credentials. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was looking for like a life mentor, somebody to help me through the decisions we make every day about how we live our life, how to have a more purposeful, uh, mindful life. Uh, more fulfilling life. I mean, I'd look for totally different characteristics 
I'd probably want an old person, not when I say old person, somebody that's had some experience in life. I mean, if I go to a 13 year old and talk about the purpose of life, I, I, you know, it's going to be totally different than if I'm talking to a 50, 60, 80, 90 year old. Um, and then you got other things if you're dealing way up in age, because their mental capabilities might not be as sharp as like a 50, 60 year old person. Mm-hmm. Even for a 50, 60 year old person to have another 50, 60 year old person as a mentor, that that, that works. Because after 60 years, you get some experience and you've been knocked around a little bit and, you know, you've gotten up, dust yourself off and, and you can offer some wisdom. So I'd look for somebody that has wisdom in the areas that you're trying to, to, to be mentored in. And, um, you know, does the person feel good about, do they want to be a mentor and do they have the time necessary to, to, uh, share, you know, as a mentor, I mean, there's professional mentors. I mean, people that are paid to be mentors. And there's also those mentors that say, yeah, you know, I'd love to, you know, be your mentor. And I, you know, you know, let's meet four times a week or four times a month rather. Um, and, uh, you know, we can do it zoom or we can have coffee, whatever, doesn't matter. But, mm-hmm. you know, so you guys kind of commit to each other that you're going to have this mentee mentor relationship and here's what to expect out of it. You know, um, Did that affect the relationship. Like if we were to look at paid mentorship versus internal gratification of someone giving it away for free because they kind of see themselves in the individual that's requesting it. Yeah. I think it had the, at the end of the day to use that trite saying, if the, the mentor is a character based person, it would be the exact same. And, um, I mean, like I said, another name for a, a professional mentor might be a coach. Okay, maybe that's the difference. A mentor is not paid for their mentoring. A coach is, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, you do get free coaches every now and then, but a lot of times a free coach is their values the same as what you paid for it. Um, and that's not always true. But I, I, that maybe that's a way, at least for our conversation, to distinguish between a mentor who's paid, we could call a coach, okay, and those that volunteer to be a mentor to one or more people at any given point in time, because everybody's only got so much time per day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know, you know, one of the associations I'm in, there's, you know, there, we've got about a 1, thousand, 1200 members. And of that, there's about four or 500 that agree to be a mentor, a free mentor to the members. And, uh, they tell you, you know, in the association, you know, take advantage of these mentors, but don't take advantage of them. They're here to give you maybe 30 minutes a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, that's a lot of time from somebody that's mentor quality. You know what I mean? Yes. To take 30 minutes of their time. And then there could be six or eight members that are all grabbing those, those 30 minutes. So over a period of a month, that mentor might spend two, two and a half hours a month mentoring people 
for nothing other than the pure satisfaction of hoping to help those people, you know, that with whatever wisdom and advice they share. No, yeah, I know that that was an open ended answer. I like. I think it just depends what you're looking for in a mentor. And and that varies between the what you're trying to accomplish and what I have trouble. I mean, what I can see though, I can see the connection between a life coach versus an online business entrepreneur where you're trying to get uh, mentorship from is understanding the philosophy that you want to have in yourself that can be incorporated in your business. Because if you look at an institution, all it really is, is just an attitude outlook. Mm -hmm. It's a culture. Each business, each entity has a culture of its own, an attitude, uh, an outlook. Um, exactly right. And, and as does each mentor or uh, potential mentor. And that's that's part of the decision process is, are your guys chemistry right so that you're comfortable being that person's mentee and that person's comfortable being your mentor? If, 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 if in fact, your characters are diametrically opposed this probably not going to work out, you know, you would want to be, have, have congruence with, um, with character, really mm-hmm. a character and personality, you know, can I, can I engage with this person? Am I willing to share a lot of information, detailed information? Are they willing to share that with me? You know, uh, do I feel like I'm in a, uh, you know, the principal's office when I'm with this mentor? Are they pretty, pretty loose and conversational? You know, I mean, I think the, and everybody's different. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody is motivated differently. Um, but when we're looking at like seeking out a mentor, shouldn't the individual who is seeking out have the idea? that the person they're talking to is almost a spinning image of them as their future self that they're desiring to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They aspire that that's a a great point when looking for a mentor, look for someone you aspire to be like in those ways you're looking to be mentored in. Um, or maybe even some areas that you're not looking to be mentored in, but you know uh, those things of that person. And yeah, I mean, I'd I'd want him or her to mentor me because I know I've seen what they do here or there in this situation. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you have this uncanny ability to to uh, boil things down to a really basic way to in a simple way to look at things which most people need that so i'll drone on and on in you know i'm I'm verbose i'm not concise Mm -hmm. um you're very concise with your thoughts and you can take these complex these are complex thoughts Mm -hmm. that you're able to verbalize in in a pretty simple phrase you know uh and that's a very cool uh 
a very cool talent skill. Yeah. I think it's just to me, I'm the youngest of seven and I never had any information passed along. So I really don't understand a lot of basic things that people already do as far as with communication human in, in, of human relations and interacting with people. How do I establish a conversation? How do I have to, how do I get this person's attention? I have to go through an encyclopedia to understand it because it was never instilled to me as a kid. And it's my biggest struggle or it could be a, a double-edged sword. It's in my favor, but it, on how I view it or it's my biggest weakness. Well, I, Again, I wasn't raised in your family, but just based on what you just told me, in knowing you to the extent that I do, you on your own struck out on your own, if you will, to to learn these skills and talents, how to communicate with people, how to talk to people, how to be conversant with people, how to bring something out of other people, you know, by way of questions, by way of uh, intelligent questions. We, we learn so much from listening, so much more from listening than talking. Because when we're talking, we're not listening. And if we're not listening, we're not learning. I, I know it sounds really basic and simplistic, but it's so true. When, when it comes to communicating, when it comes to understanding others, when it comes to feeling comfortable enough to engage another person and hopefully have them engage you, so there's that two-way communication, there's there's like eight behavioral, actual observable behaviors that we can identify in seconds about somebody. Uh, and all are, the entire world's population in one school of thought falls into four, one of four quadrants as far as personality styles. And each of those personality styles are subdivided into four more quadrants because nobody's all one way. They have major tendencies here, but they have a little bit of this stuff, too. And I'm not going to go label these for you yet, but there's four labels of these four distinct personality profiles. It's a good cliffhanger right there. Yeah, exactly. So stay tuned and learn those eight behaviors so that when you meet somebody, you'll instantly at least be able to put them in one of those four quadrants and then know how to, to communicate with them the way they want to be communicated with rather than how we are comfortable communicating. That's the whole key. Make the other person communicate with the other person in the style they're most comfortable in communicating. Okay. And the, the rest of the cliffhanger is just simply this, that what I mean by that is I'll just use this in a, as an example an accountant, take an accountant or engineer. When I say this guy's a CPA, an accountant, or this guy or gal is an engineer, we all instantaneously have these generalizations. We think about a pipe smoking Volvo driving engineer, or, you know, a little short guy with big thick glasses and a pencil and a big chief tablet, the accountant, and they're very analytical and stuff. Well, you know what? The fact is that of all of the accountants in the world, about a fourth fall into each one of the four different categories. Okay. Think about presidents of the United States. Like we could sit here because we both know 
some of the presidents of the United States. Mm-hmm. And if you knew these four quadrants and the eight behaviors that you use to determine what quadrant a person exists in most of the time, we could actually, you know, have done, I've done this in the past, put these contemporary presidents into one of these four quadrants. And we'll find that of all the presidents, about 25%, about a quarter of each, each fall in each one of these quadrants. People think, well, to be president of the United States, you have to be very tell assertive, not emotional until Trump, but, you know, and straightforward in, in, you know, time conscious, all those things that would make a great leader. But we found Reagan's not wasn't like that. You know, George Bush W wasn't like that. His father wasn't like that. There's four examples and they're each one in a different the quadrants. Um, and you, it's, you don't even have to know the people to observe these eight behaviors. You can watch it on television. You can hear it on the phone. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can pick it up from there. You know, in the old days, people used to write letters. Today we do texts and emails, but you can pick up a little about how a person is. Yes. By from the, by the from their writing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't tell if they're sarcastic if you don't know them. And I'm so sarcastic. You know, a lot of times I knew people I'm sarcastic with and they think I'm serious. You know, they go, oh, my God. And I go, no, I was just fucking kidding, dude. It's sarcasm. You know, but you can't read that. I'm the same way, but much more in depth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I get pretty in depth. It's just until I know somebody, I'm not going to be real in depth with people. Uh, I always let them wonder. You know, my dad said I was a wonder boy. The more you look, the more you wonder. And, and it's probably true. I, for a long time, thought it was a compliment, but might not have been. <laughs> I think it was. He was a pretty good guy. And he was kidding. He was pretty sarcastic. Be some truth. These four quadrants, I'm going to just give you the, the names of them and think about them because they actually explain quite a bit. So there's four. It, it, there's two continuums that, that make up the four quadrants, okay? Mm-hmm. And the one continuum, this vertical continuum, okay, is at the very top of it is what's called emotive. People that emote a lot. I'm sorry, the top part's control mm-hmm. and the bottom part's emote. Mm-hmm. So on this vertical, the higher up you are in on that vertical, mm-hmm. the more... Uh, controlled you are with thoughts, feelings, and speech. The lower you are in the continuum, and you'll see how it all fits together, the more you emote, the more expression and emotional part of your personality is there, it traits, your behavior. Then the horizontal continuum is tell-assertive, ask-assertive. It's that I don't know which way I'm, how it comes through there. So I'm confused, but you have uh, tell assertive and ask assertive. So when you put the quadrants together like that, you can see the, what is the upper left hand on your screen? I think this is my left. You, I, yeah. But you see where my finger is going? Yes. Okay. That should be your upper left hand side. What you're seeing. Okay. If that makes sense. It makes sense. 
Yeah, that's a good that's a good thing right here when we're recording is to mirror not to mirror the screens, but have them play as it, what it seems. Yeah, to and see, I don't know which way to do it. What I'm going to do, just for lack of a better word, so be because it's really important uh, concept here, and I'll make and you'll be able to think about this. Um, and it, 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 you can almost come up with the behavioral, observable, observable behaviors that people exhibit that you can easily put them into one of these four uh, quadrants. You won't be able to read my writing, but at least I'll be able to point and be correct. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I can recreate this graphic that you're yeah. in here and put this in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So here's the four quadrants. I know this is small, but uh, so up here, so the people above this line, they have more control than the people below the line. They tend to emote. When I say control, not when I, it, it's not that they don't. These people don't have control. They do, but these people are closed up. They don't share their feelings with you openly. So these people tend to. Is extrovert? It, you can think of it like that, but it's it it's not. Okay. okay? And two, most people, it, you have to understand how they're defining extroversion and introversion. But so this is t totally different in just totally don't think about that as you think it's about various four quadrants. And so then you have over here, the teleassertive people, mm -hmm. they're more teleassertive. They'll say, Hey, go get me a cup of coffee. These people over here, they want a cup of coffee. They say, Hey, would you mind getting me a cup of coffee? Okay. All right. So tell-assertive versus ask-assertive. Uh, the control person is, you say, hey, how you doing today? The person that lives on this part, they're generally going to say, fine. When you ask these people, hey, how you feeling today? You would not believe what happened to me today. It's just been the craziest day I've ever had because they're open and, they're, okay, these people up here, if you're sitting with them at a, at a restaurant or in an office, they're the people who's, Hands are on the top of the desk like this. Mm -hmm. They're sitting like this. And there's reasons why we have some body language going on. But, I mean, this is – if I'm sitting like this, I, you're probably thinking I'm not a real open person. Not that I'm hiding anything. I'm just – I don't want to share my feelings with you, you know. Your father's created that. It could be. It could be. So you got those four things. Now, here's what's really neat. Taking that little bit of knowledge I just gave you, mm -hmm. okay, and call and we're gonna put labels on this for the major quadrants. Each quadrant is again divided into subquadrants exactly the same way. So you actually have sixteen squares. Okay. okay. Okay, so this this person right here is labeled a driver. This person's labeled an expressive. This person's labeled an amiable, and this person's labeled an analytical. I definitely heard of this before. Yeah, this is this is not this is, and it it's I'm telling you, it's one of the most accurate ways to communicate with people because all you, you don't need the subquadrant when you know these eight behaviors that you can use to identify that driver. Well, you know a driver's time efficient. You know a driver doesn't open up 
they like keeping their feelings close at hand. They don't share them. Um, you know, just get to the fucking point, dude. Just give it to me and I'll deal with it. A lot of people think you have to be a driver. You have to have a driver personality to be a successful leader. Not true. Reagan is an exp- was an expressive. He's down here. He's still tele-assertive, but he shares his emotions. He's open. Hey, guys, you know, I really hope I can help you. Mm-hmm. Um, the amiable is your teacher. And preachers are generally people, it's not true, but when you think of amiables, those are the the people that are trying to get consensus and really care about how you think, feel, and and then the analytical is your CPA or engineer. You know, it's just the facts. So think about that over the next week and ways you could look at people and, and put them into one of those four categories because that'll tell you how they're most comfortable being. Is that your dog or do you have flies? Yes, I have my uh, big fluffy labradoodle here. Oh, cool. She just likes to know what the heck's going on all the time. What color is she? Uh, brown. I can move this camera here. Barley. Platy. I see Barley. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh. She's she, chocolate. She's that's chocolate. That's better than brown. Yeah, she. Well, you're a good dog. Yes, you are. Hardest thing like ever. I trained her in Russian. I trained her to be an attack labradoodle. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, she is just the greatest thing ever happened to me. Oh, uh, I can imagine. Dogs are have that ability. I, and I grew up never having a dog, so I never knew the impact that it had on just the responsibility of taking care of a life. Yeah. And the moment I got her, it changed me on a, on a very deep level. Dogs just bring such a a quality of life to each of us. That's, um, there is no other substitute. There is no other kind of love on earth. Like we experience with our fur friends, especially Mm -hmm. dogs. I mean, I'm not a cat person, um, I've met a couple cool cats, but they're totally, when it comes to dogs, they're, they're, they're just incredible beings. They're the, it, it, it's truly unconditional love. That's all they want. They just want to make you happy. Just, you know, <laughs> you know, what can they do? You know, <laughs> um, they're just incredible. Do that. I, I just want to see that. I only do it once a day and I just did it. <laughs> Tune in tomorrow. I don't do it at the same time all day, every day, but that, that's, you know, why people are constantly coming around. Mm-hmm. And it all boils down to making that other person comfortable, you know, communicating in the way they want to be communicated with. That analytical person doesn't want to hear about, you know, how beautiful it is outside today and it's sunny and there's a nice breeze. They want to, what, what's the fucking temperature and is it going to rain? Okay. So, no, if I was dealing with an analytical and we were talking about the weather, that's why I said it's 63 out and there's no chance of rain mm-hmm. versus, hey, you know, the sunshine, the sky's so blue today. It's got that autumn crisp blueness and the breeze rustles the leaves and it's really cool walking in the park. So uh-huh. that expressive wants to maybe hear that. Yes. You know, so it's, you know, once you learn how a person likes to communicate, then you communicate in their style. That's the third the the second thing that Wilson does, they put you in a quadrant and subquadrant. 
and they teach you how you identify people in each of the main quadrants, but they also put you on a flexibility continuum so that over here, this wiggly finger is an oak tree and this one's a willow tree because this is real flexible. Oak trees aren't flexible. Okay. So, and based on those responses, they put you somewhere on this continuum. So you're either inflexible. In other words, you don't have the ability yet to deal with somebody the way they want to be dealt with. Now I'm going to deal with you this way. This is the way I deal with people. Okay. And then you got the willow. He's totally wishy-washer. Wishy-washy. He's waffles. He's a fucking politician. He has no fucking backbone. You don't want to be at either one of these extremes. You ideally want to be mid to mid left. Okay. You want flexibility so that even though I'm not comfortable dealing with that analytical guy, I know how he likes being comfortable. I'm flexible enough to put my stuff second to this guy because I want to communicate with this guy and I'm going to make him as comfortable as I can make him. I'll be, I actually have the ability to be concise. I need when I'm, and I need to bring that analytical out by way of asking him questions because he's, he's, you know, he's very controlled. Um, and I know these things, uh, that, that makes sense as far as trying for the analytical guy, because he's looking for something that's measurable. That is what grabs well, attention. Yeah. He, he likes facts. Yes. Yeah. And then if you can distinguish that from those categories within a 45 second. Yeah. Introduction. So, right. So you got the driver. Okay. Remember the driver? Yes. Okay. So you got those four quadrants, the driver, expressive, Amiable and analytical. We just talked about the analytical. Also, keep in mind a little clue. Okay, this is a bonus. No charge for this. If you abbreviate analytical, you end up with anal. So, you know, that's a reminder of what accountants remind you of. So, anyway, that's not true. I'm anal retentive in certain <laughs> regards. But anyway, the driver, the driver's teleassertive and controls his emotions. Mm-hmm. The driver is very time oriented, very bottom line, very when it is very important for that driver. Uh, doesn't really care about if everybody likes this, that what we're going to do, this is the way we're going to do it because I've analyzed all the facts from the analytical dude. I know how to lead the group to get to the objective we want and do it time efficient. Okay. Um, the expressive is very teleassertive, but is emotes all the time. So, like I said, think Ronald Reagan. He was very expressive, very feeling oriented, but very teleassertive. Mm-hmm. He's fucking president of the United States. He could tell somebody what to do. <laughs> okay. Then you got the amiable, and we'll stay with presidents. Amiables are really friendly. They really need consensus. They are very ask assertive. They seldom would say, go get me a cup of coffee, they would always say, would, would you mind go getting me a cup of coffee, Greg? I really could use a cup of coffee. And and they want to make sure there's consensus in the group. Uh-huh. They don't care if they really get to the goal one time, as long as everybody's comfy with the direction they're going to go. That was Jimmy Carter, if we keep with presidents. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, he was just a one-term president, but 
but he was president. There's only been 45 of them, now 46 in the whole world, you know. And so there, it's just very few people attain that level of success. Those are the four major quadrants. Your driver, your expressive, your amiable, and your analytical. And most everybody's a, com- a combination of those two. That's what the subquadrant. But you don't need the, the you don't need to to know that. What's mm-hmm. interesting to know is that when we and you brought this up at the very beginning of of our session today, is when people are under pressure, when they're pressured for external pressures, internal pressures, combinations thereof, they end up in the exact opposite quadrant under pressure. So in other words, that driver, when they're under pressure, generally they behave like an amiable. The amiable acts and behaves like their drivers. The analytical will be real expressive and the expressive becomes quite analytical. It's just, you know, again, not everybody 100%, but it's about 93.6% accurate. That's, you know, backed up into a corner. How does that person react? That, you know, they generally the opposite quadrant that they exist in most of the time. Larry, I appreciate your time today. I'm going to move our recordings to the Monday uplifts and I would love to okay. get sure. talks. Like I, I really enjoyed just like that very question as far as mentorship and how that just went everywhere. I love that. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's, that's a, uh, that's actually an interesting Think about this, and, and then we'll go, because you just raised just something I just thought of. But when you think about people that you'd like to surround yourself with, like some people say, if you look at your your uh, message screen on your cell phone, mm-hmm. look at the last five people you texted. Those are probably your centers of influence, if you will. You know, the five people that have the most impact on your life, at least right now, you know, if it happens over and over that these are the five people you constantly see on your text list. That's one way of looking at it. But here's where I'm going with that is if you are going to surround yourself with five people, one way to do it is maybe think about the same characteristics you might look at in a mentor. Isn't that kind of the same people, have people with the same characteristics you'd want to surround your, your just everyday life with? Think about this. The five closest people to you were Barley's, okay? Had Barley's personality and unconditional love and respect for you, and you gave it back to them. Those five people. I mean, think what a wonderful world you'd have then if everybody had the character of Barley. Because I don't know Barley, but what I do know about dogs, they're, they have incredible character. Yeah. I've never, I've never met a dog that didn't, let me put it that way. And I've met a lot of dogs over my life. And now I'm not talking about the animal. No, I am talking about the animal. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Subscribe if you have not already done so. But leave us a review. Let us know how we can continue to improve your transformation station. I appreciate every one of you for tuning in. And I look forward to the next episode on your transformation station. You've been listening to your transformation station, rediscovering your true identity and purpose on this planet. 
We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you've gotten some useful and practical information. Join us weekly on Monday for the YTS Challenge and bi-weekly on Wednesday for the exclusive interviews at 8 p.m. Central Time. In the meantime, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at YTS The Podcast. We'll be back soon. Until then, this is your transformation station, signing off. 